Well, welcome everybody to our final show and episode of Summer Forecast High of 70s. We are glad that you are here. I am your host, Tyler Henry, and alongside of me, who has been journeying for this whole ride, is our, our co-host and my friend, Nate Bebout. How are you doing today, Nato? Been amazing. Um, it's nearly the end of November, and we're still riding the summer high, yeah. and so I'm, I'm yeah. grateful for... Uh, even though everyone else, I'm, I'm sure our throngs of adoring fans mm. were really anxious for this last episode and, and we're going to go ahead and give it to you before the new year flips over. So, yeah, of course, you know, that is like truly on brand for me though. I try to cling to summer as long as possible. Like I'm the guy wearing shorts before Thanksgiving kind of a thing just cause yeah. uh, I don't want it to get cold. So this does yeah. make little sense. It's it's slowly happening today. I think was the first day that there was like a legit amount of frost this yeah. morning when I woke up. So I was like, yeah, it's probably it's here time. <laughs> yeah, well, and in a, in an appropriate fashion, um, our final episode today that we are excited to dive in on is talking about the great James Taylor, whom mm-hmm. uh, we intentionally saved for last because he really is just the crowd favorite and. Um, you know, talking to family and friends in the summer when I was telling them that I was going to start this, they were asking what artists we'd discuss. And, you know, I would list them all off and then I'd get to James and uh, everybody would, their excitement level would go through the roof. And I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. Like, yes, we'll cover James Taylor. Yeah. He's fine. Uh, but yeah, so like he is, uh, man, this guy is one of the absolute best of all time. And, yeah. Uh, or yeah, like his name you could make a case for just being on the Mount Rushmore because he is, yeah, man, he's, does he have a following? He's yeah. one. Of, he's definitely the most commercially successful artist of everyone we've done here. Yeah. Um, and it's well-deserved. I, I don't want to downplay his skill is, is, and his, um, his fan base is very warranted. Uh, he's won <clears throat> five Grammys. Uh, mm. He's had a ton of albums go platinum. Yeah. Inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 2000. Uh, and received the National Medal of the Arts in 2011. So he's he's the most venerated and decorated artist yeah. by far of anyone we've talked about over this whole podcast. Yeah, for sure. So it felt it felt uh, like a good move to save him for last. You saved the Absolutely. best for last, right? Absolutely. So with that in mind, I would love for you just to start us off um, with just your first thoughts. What comes to mind when you think of James Taylor and his music? Uh, James Taylor's music is um, very beautiful. Um, it's usually soothing. Um, I think of acoustic, uh, easy feeling songs that feel connected to um, America, you know, like the land for sure, but also um, he, he names places and towns and states and, you know, it's, um, it does feel like a, a travelogue of sorts, his, his, his albums of just his life and, and the American landscape and the American experience. Um, he, he kind of flirts, all of, all of this folk music almost seems to flirt with country music because um, of the acoustic driven and kind of earthy nature of it. But because James Taylor is a Bostonian at heart, he doesn't um, he doesn't feel twangy. Uh, he certainly feels like a, a person who would, who would be just as comfortable in a big city as, as he would be, you know, out in, in the rural landscape. And so, um, overall, I think his music, uh, is, yeah, like I said, soothing. I think it, um, 
is it's deceptively complicated especially the guitar playing he's a phenomenal guitarist and um while the melodies are usually very accessible memorable and good on the songs it's actually the guitar playing underneath that really elevates the songs to be kind of masterpieces um if you just sing uh fire and rain but it's just strumming chords normally it's not the same song yeah. <laughs> as all of his intricate pull-offs and hammer-ons and and picking and all. uh and so yeah his his voice is not one of those soaring tenors he, he kind of sits really in that sweet baritone um middle um but it's it's a comforting you know it's a comforting experience you know i i you can't listen to James Taylor and not feel a little bit like it's going to be okay, which is a, a good message yeah. for us right now in the world. Yeah, for sure. Um, I totally agree with all of that. And, you know, um, one thing that really stood out to me is uh, he's one of those artists that, you know, has produced music um, over decades, over decades, over decades, right? Some of our artists that we talked about, um, just kind of like stopped early, like Simon and Garfunkel, they were done in 70, you know, yeah. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, they only released a few albums all together. And so, uh, but James Taylor is one that has never stopped in terms of like, I mean, he released one just a few months ago. Right. right? So, right. Um, he has been releasing music this whole time. And as his discography has continued, you know, we see him flirt with a little bit more. Um, he tries to stay up with the trends, right. Um, his music uh, will, um, transition a little bit especially like in the 90s and all it's not going to be the same that he played at the beginning but what I love so much especially about his first few albums where he is that uh, you know almost country type folk very acoustic singer-songwriter type artist is just what you were saying his guitar playing um, just like it hops out to me almost immediately he is just a phenomenal acoustic guitar player the fact that most of his songs, he's he's just finger picking, right? Like he's not, none of his songs are just like the four chord chugging along. Like he's, he's finger picking these really difficult lines and singing over top of them. And I think that just like really hit me immediately. Um, he does this thing, I was, I was reading some about how it's just, it's his staple and you can listen to it, but I, I was, I was reading this biography about him and um, they're just talking about like his staple is, on his finger picking, he loves to like, he'll hit the root note and then he'll double pick. He'll pick two strings like yeah. at once, right? And if you hear that, um, if you listen to his earlier stuff, he's doing that all the time. And that's yeah. so hard for me. That is not a skill that I have where I'm like picking multiple strings at once. It's just, he, uh, yeah, that just is what really stood out to me almost instantly. Yeah, and, and like true greats, he makes it look and sound effortless. He's yes. doing incredibly complex things with, yeah, his strumming and picking patterns, with his cording that he's choosing, the fingering he's choosing. Um, if you ever, yeah, like try to uh, watch a tutorial on how to play songs, yeah. they're cumbersome painful sometimes hand positions to hold and yeah. uh and and yeah and like he's also doing a lot of work on that left hand too like i said before of uh hammer-ons and pull-offs and all that stuff so yeah there's just a lot going on but you sit down and it's like the acoustic guitar equivalent of smooth jazz it's just like it just feels 
natural. He's just kind of yeah. flowing. So uh, yeah, truly, truly talented that his hands are so busy, but the, the sound is so smooth and kind of yeah. gentle. So he really gets his start in 1968 is when he released his um, first album under his name, James Taylor. Um, and he goes on a stretch there for a few years. His first few records are really some of his most popular. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that first James Taylor album that comes out with um, Something in the Way She Moves. And that was the first edition of Carolina on my mind. Yeah. And in 70, he comes out with his iconic Sweet Baby James, which was most likely his most popular album, I would yep. probably say. Yep. Has the title track. Um, it has Fire and Rain on it. has Blossom, which is, you know, such a sweet song that I really love. Um, and then following that, he has Mudslide Slim and the Blue Horizon in 71, which whatever that means, uh, you know, like, <laughs> but uh, like that has You've Got a Friend. Um mm and you know some of his other big songs on there so like he really he hits the ground running he comes onto the music scene with some of his best stuff to date yeah and i i wish i uh, i should have done more homework for this show uh because i want to know about what his career was like before that self-titled re- track um that really is released in um, 70 the self-titled album uh, because I know for a fact that when he was writing Carolina in my mind, he wrote that song while hanging out with the Beatles in mm. England. So even before he kind of like was a, a arena filling name uh, and kind of, yeah, like you said, those, those albums, um, those first several albums in the early seventies that he released were just like one hit after another. Um, he was somehow en- enough connected that he was hanging out with Paul and Ringo yeah. and the boys. So he must have, uh, people who knew talent must have known him. Um, yeah. And in fact, uh, one of my very favorite lines in any of his songs uh, is from Carolina in my mind. And uh, in the bridge, he sings with a holy host of others standing around me. Still, I feel like I'm on the dark side of the moon. And he was specifically referencing the Beatles uh, they are the holy host of others. Uh, he's so he's like he's aware as he's writing the song, feeling homesick across the pond. Uh, he's aware that he's in the presence of basically like singing singer songwriter divinity, you know, in the Beatles, and um, and yeah. it's just a kind of a gorgeous homesick line that I love. So, but one thing that I have really loved doing for um, these artists as we've been prepping for each of our different episodes and you know we've mentioned some of them um, but I love finding out the stories of what got them started or like what gave them their big break right Uh we've referenced a few different stories or songs or (laughs) interactions that really gave some of these artists their start and you know James Taylor I one of my favorite treasures of of listening to his music I mentioned this in the Carol King episode but is there live from the troubadour um, album yeah. that came out in like 2010 something yeah. like that it's just it's so good it's so velvety and smooth and I love the two of them just still touring and singing music together um, but on the he he tells the story of before he sings um, something in the way she moves which is one of the songs that comes off his first album James Taylor which uh-huh. I just I love this song the guitar picking on this song is next level difficult (laughs) which is so funny but um but he tells about how that is the song that gave him his first break it's what got him a record deal with apple records 
um, he goes into Peter Asher's office, which Peter Asher was, um, you know, one of the main guys in Peter and, and, and Gabriel and, or Gordon, Peter and Gordon. And he um, then transitions into being just this iconic music producer, won multiple Grammys, some of them obviously with James Taylor, but you know, this guy's just a big wig in the business. And James Taylor comes into his office and he plays for him. Uh, you know, you have, you have one song to change my mind and he, and he plays something right. in the way she moves. Um, and JT said, it's as if somebody opened the door and the rest of my life was on the other side. Um, and that like there's just something about those stories of you sit down you finally get a big meeting with somebody right you just bring your acoustic guitar and you're like this is the one song I've been working on in my basement for months I will play for you now and um, Peter Asher loved it and you know like offered him a, a deal that day and you know that song I think is, is is so beautiful and when you were just referencing a line that you love in that bridge of something the way she moves uh, JT says every now and then the things I lean on start to lose their meaning and I find myself careening in places where I should not let me go and the the fact that he's saying I find myself going places that I should not let me go like it's just like this sense of self-accountability and self-discipline Right. There's something about that that just really stuck out to me of um, this guy. I mean, this guy, especially he's had like a really checkered past, like he really struggled some um, drug addiction things and, you know, and had some, you know, really rough relationships. And so for him to throw that in one of his first albums, throw that line of, you know, just holding himself accountable and just, you know, being able to recognize uh, things going bad before they really get bad. I just, that line was just really powerful to me in a song that um, obviously means the world to him because that's like yeah. what started his career. That's good. Yeah, um, we can't overstate how good his first few albums are. In fact, his first greatest hits compilation album comes out in 1976, right? So, so you think about that. Um, and that album is his best selling album of all time so yeah. you think about how good that early stuff was he just takes the best of those first you know five or six albums puts that as a great i mean can you imagine being like 25 and having a greatest hits album or whatever it was at the time yeah. and that record went um platinum 11 times over he, he sold in between 10 and 14 million copies of that album so it's literally That's, in the top 20 best-selling albums of all time yeah, in the United States. Um, so, yeah, the, the, you have heard these songs. Yeah. <laughs> like if you are American who likes to listen to music and has access to a radio at some point, uh, you have heard these songs. And again, um, he's, he's so um, universally um, enjoyable. You know, yeah. it feels like this is music that, you know, Tyler, you and I, we part of this um, podcast has been the idea of chronicling a millennial's experience of music that came out in the 70s. Yeah. But James Taylor um, it doesn't feel like millennial music, even though we really enjoy him. Uh, in fact, even in the 70s, when his stuff was coming out, he was loved by older people younger people, you know, I think that uh, because of the uh, kind of 
gentle nature of his music and the and the sincerity and, and certainly the talent of the artist um he's he's had this huge universal appeal so that yeah it is music that you can listen to with your grandma and it is music that you also i can have it on while i'm making food i'm making dinner for my kids who are yeah. four and five and i'm not really worried about them hearing anything weird you know? yeah um, and so there is something about that that is probably one of the reasons of his incredible success that um anybody anywhere can can groove on some james taylor yeah that's so true um he his music really does um transcend and i think that's why again he's still creating music and, and people are still loving it i mean he Absolutely. um zoomed i mean i don't know if you've seen him recently he looks old yes he, he's, he's getting old yes um he sang a song with two of his sons Is that on on jimmy kimmel yeah yeah wow. yeah so it's like he's still being sought after like even in, even in his old age he's like still going on to quarantined zoom call late night shows which is so funny to me and his um i you know i i did watch that and i noticed that his voice is starting to sound more like an old man's voice yeah his guitar still sounds as good as you know, oh man <laughs> yeah just, just as good you know i thought the same thing i really yeah. did that's yeah he's and uh, he's still got it so with that that's a i think that's a good uh we can kind of transition into i'd love to hear some of your your favorites of his you know like he has all i mean obviously the list is long of his songs that have um, still remain popular today but i'd love to hear some of your your favorite tracks or maybe even you know your favorite albums or things like that um i love carolina in my mind it's probably one of his most famous songs that i just i i do i think it's just so gorgeous um i love sweet baby james hmm. um i think that's one of those songs uh he wrote it as a lullaby to one of his nephews Mm -hmm. um and it's so it does exactly what good music does that transports you and so he's telling the song there was a young cowboy who sits on the range you know and it yeah. feels very kind of like harmonica around a campfire um and it's and it's so beautiful and simple um yeah i, I um some of the stuff that uh came out a little bit later um that i like i like um shower the people uh that's a great uh kind of in that same vein of feels like a song to sing in a wedding or dance to at a wedding um, yeah show them the way you feel that's a good one um that's my that's my sister's favorite and she uh has been hounding me leading up to this episode saying are you going to talk about shower the people it's a great song. <laughs> she loves it. Good song. Good pick, sis. Um, your smiling face is pretty. Country road. Um, yeah, there's there's just so many that that I love of his. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's tough to it's tough to narrow some of them down. I know um, a cool thing about him is that even some of his newer music is still really good. Yes. And you know, one of his actually more popular albums. Uh, relatively speaking, was his 1991 album called New Moonshine. Um, yeah. And that's obviously 20 years after he's releasing some of his biggest hits. Right. Uh, but that very first track on that album, it's called Copper Line. That song is so good. And like, yes. again, he's been releasing music for decades at that point. Yeah. Um, 
but you know so like he still got it even in some of his um later work uh well his uh his christmas album he came out with that in 2006 and that's a great great christmas album mm. Uh, and we're basically in, into the Christmas season already. So give me James Taylor yeah. over Mariah Carey any Christmas season. <laughs> like, um, yeah. It's really, really good. And again, yeah, like we're talking, it's tw- that was 2006. Okay. So, you know, his first album comes out in 70 or 68 or whatever it was. And like, dude's still cranking. He's still, he's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I know I mentioned some of these earlier, but like really some of my top favorites are something in the way she moves. I just, I really love that song. song Um, Off of sweet baby James. I love that song blossom. It's just so sweet Mm, blossom. Send your sunshine down this way. Uh That's really good. But I will say uh, my favorite of his work um, is that third album that he has that mudslide slim in the blue horizon. I found that vinyl record at a at a thrift store oh, about nice. a month ago and i was really stoked about that that has his you've got a friend which is his um carol king cover that yep. again some of his biggest most well-known songs are covers of his friends which is really funny to me um but also my favorite jt song is off that album as well it's called you can close your eyes yeah um and that song uh one it's very difficult to play like you said if you watch a youtube tutorial of that song it's a bunch of like pausing and starting pausing and starting yeah it's quite difficult um but that song it's so beautiful and i love that the the thought of like you can close your eyes is, is used a lot when it's coming to you know the end of someone's life right like you can you can slip away peacefully you can close your eyes we're all good here yeah. Um, and I do really like that, but this song is is not that. It's a love song, right? And he's saying like his his wife that he's with is like worried that you know we're and so, we're so in love today. Are you going to still love me tomorrow? Kind of a thing. And he's saying, you can close your eyes, you can sleep tonight. Like rest assured, I'll be here in the morning. Kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I I really love the the chord structure of the song i think it's really really beautiful i love his lyrics um and he and carol king again on that live uh from the troubadour do a great version of this um just adding a female vocal to it is really good so that's definitely my favorite um it's a beautiful song song that's the song that he sang on that jimmy it is yeah and it's and the harmonies that that his family does i think it's his wife and one of his sons um are, are really beautifully and hauntingly beautiful yeah it is, yeah. I, I I really like that song. And, you know, that was like a perfect song to sing in the middle of a global pandemic quarantine. Mm-hmm. Just like, hey, mm-hmm. rest assured, tomorrow's going to come. Right. We're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, which seems to be on par with, with his musical style as a whole. Uh, I think we also need to talk about briefly um, one of the most epic and most visible hair losses <laughs> in history. Yes. Oh my goodness. I look at those first albums and he's just got hair down to his shoulders and he's just loving life. And like, man, that male pattern baldness hit him like a freight train, man. (laughs) I told, I told my mom when I was first, like, you know, listening to him in preparation for this episode, I didn't know there was a James Taylor with shoulder length hair. I didn't know that existed. I'm looking at some of these albums. I'm look. I'm watching some live videos to him. I mean, there were times like he had middle of the back, like Neil Young hair. Like, yeah, yeah. And I, I had no idea that was his, <laughs> that was his go for a while. And now my goodness, he just has a cul-de-sac and it is tragic. 
Yeah, tragic. but there was no there was no hiding that you know like his <laughs> his face is part of his brand you know like mm-hmm. and every album has got basically him on on front and in fact um you know the only the only albums that are the exception uh to that um is the one that we talked about with uh gorilla and in the pocket um they're more they're still of him but they're more pulled out and i was wondering if it like did he was it starting already but i'm looking at these pictures and i guess that that didn't i'm trying to figure out when the hair loss started happening by 1981 it, it, def- it definitely started with that 79 album flag yes <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just a colored it's like, it's just a- we're like we don't we don't really need, we don't need. <laughs> um, that's right yeah. Yep, because after that, and then, ooh, T- Tyler, did you look at the album cover of that Never Die Young album? Yeah. That's Not very successful album. musically, but the album work was pretty fantastic. Phenomenal, yeah. So, that is funny. He, uh, yeah, he got he got hit hard by that, and poor guy, it happens to the best of us, and I fear that for myself, honestly. So, we'll, well see. Yeah, actually, you could be a total prototype, man, because you've got the long, beautiful hair right now. Yeah. Oh, we'll keep you posted, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll, you know. we'll circle back in 30 years and, and report back <laughs> on how Tyler's hairline is holding up. Yeah. Let's move into our final segment um, that we end uh, each of our conversations with here. And, you know, for the, for the last time, as this is our last episode for the season, um, I would love to hear your suggestions, Nate, of where can we hear him now? Some contemporary artists that have some lingering sounds of James Taylor. Yeah, well, it's kind of, you know, obviously we say this every time, but it's kind of difficult because he is, he does kind of stand apart. He is definitely one of the faces on the Mount Rushmore of, you know, folk um, yeah. kind of acoustic m- music. I think uh, in terms of success and recognition, I think I would put Ed Sheeran probably in the same kind of like one dude in a guitar versus the world yeah. Um, and he punches up in, in a way and he's so talented as a songwriter, as a singer, as a, as a guitarist that um, he's being played next to, you know, Beyonce and whoever else is on the mainstream radio. So, so that's good. Um, yeah. I would say as far as maybe lesser known, but maybe a little more of the vibe because Ed Sheeran doesn't really have the, the James Taylor vibe. He kind of yeah. achieved some of the success on a on a similar level or maybe uh that james did i would i would use this artist that i love he's out of new york city uh super kind of unknown his name's robbie hecht um he's an independent guy uh he's one of the albums that i first heard of this guy um i thought it was you know somebody doing an impersonate an impersonation of james taylor but it's not and he's a great great singer uh, and lyricist in his own right, uh, Robbie Hecht, I would put on. I would also kind of include, um, so Robbie Hecht is probably someone a lot of folks hasn't heard of, Ed Sheeran, everybody's heard of. Somebody in the middle of those two that I think I would maybe put in the same kind of vibe is um, Drew Holcomb. Um, oh. He's he's kind of got a some James Taylor feeling. He's a little more country, a little more twangy, certainly, um, but at that ability to, to play acoustic and, and sing um uh there, there's there's some there. so so those are my picks yeah. uh, what, what about you who, who do you think of when you think of modern day jt equivalents yeah you know i was thinking about this and um i it feels almost like a cop-out because i feel like we've mentioned this guy multiple times but i i think it's probably just because he's a, a 
very good example of a contemporary equivalent to this genre. But I, when I think of JT, I think this is probably the closest one-to-one comparison that we've used for John Mayer all season. And and I'll and I'll and I'll say for this reason, he is extremely. I mean, just a next-level guitar player. Yeah. Um, has also um, achieved a certain level of mainstream success. Sure. Right. Um, but one thing that I, I, you know, I know to be true of John Mayer, and it seems like it's probably even true of, of James Taylor as his career progressed is, it seems almost like there's this, uh, their albums come out in a way that's like, this one's for me, this one's for you. Like, this one's for right. me, this one's for right. you, right? right? And so like on uh, John Mayer, you get albums like... Um, no room for or room for squares which is just like his first album absolutely phenomenal it's for the masses right right yeah. Yeah. and then like uh you get some of his you know more lesser known albums like um born and raised or like the what's the one where he's like in the field standing there uh yeah with wildfire on it yeah. um, paradise valley yeah i think like those those songs like none of those songs hit the radio you know, Paradise Valley and yeah, no, uh, Born right. Raised, none of those songs hit the radio. But then you have albums like Continuum and Room for Squares, which is like, that's just the entirety of all the songs we know of John Mayer. And I feel like that's probably very true for James Taylor, where his first few records come out. I mean, my goodness, he releases three or four records and he and then he comes out with the Greatest Hits album, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then in between that and now there's quite a buffer of um some really good music as we've been mentioning mm-hmm. um and i think it's a lot of it has been um as we'll talk about a little bit later as we discuss with our guests over his album gorilla he really is like experimenting and like kind of stretching himself a little bit and trying some different things and so i think that's why my comparison to john mayer kind of stuck out to me is they're both phenomenal. They're both really popular, um, but they definitely release music in terms of this one's for fun, this one's for success. You know? Yeah, I could I could get on board with that. He's got uh, John Mayer's got enough acoustically driven yeah. songs that you could probably piece together an entire album from his whole catalog of just acoustic tunes. And I think that yeah, you're right that they would probably fit um, very well next to um, to to a James Taylor album as far as um, certainly the guitar skills are there. Um, yeah. I think James Taylor's uh, voice is, is a little more, um, yeah, baritone and, and earthy and, uh, and maybe even enjoyable, pleasant. Uh, not that I don't like John Mayer's voice, but um, uh, yeah, I like what you did there. I think, I think you're onto something. Yeah. So um, I would love to hear as this is like our final episode, um, just as obviously you were kind of, you were on this show as kind of a helpful tour guide for myself as I'm learning some of this music. I would love to hear just how you, we've spent the last few months in your life just circling back, listening to this familiar music that you grew mm-hmm. up with and some that yep. you love. I would love just to hear at the end of this project, what's the takeaway point you have from Summer Forecast? Um, I... I know this is true uh, because of how much it surrounds my life, but I think it was just a reminder to me of how powerful music is. Mm. Um, and, you know, my, my job in, in my real life is, is a pastor. And one of the things that pastors have had to navigate in the last mm, 40, 50 years 
is uh, the music wars in the church of like, are we going to sing only hymns? Are we going to sing new contemporary songs? Are we going to sing both? Who's, you know, like all that good stuff. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's easy to say, what a stupid thing to fight over. Who cares? We should focus on things, you know, that are more significant. But then I spend time with you listening to music that I grew up with that wasn't even like written when I was a kid, but that just surrounded my, my childhood. Yeah. And it's made me so nostalgic um, and wishing for things that are no longer uh, available for me. Mm. Um, and it was comforting and it was um, awesome and like literally brought me full of joy to see somebody else falling in love with music that I fell in love with. And so all of that made me go, oh, yeah, like. So whether it's a, you know, a blue haired lady wanting to sing a hymn on a Sunday morning or, you know, a, a veteran of a war who wants to listen to uh, what was popular when he was deployed or, or you know, yeah. uh, all of us are shaped by stories and music are the stories that we surround our lives with. And so um, for me, it's been really fun. Um, I, I feel we are, um, gluttonously lucky, lucky to have so much amazing music. Um, and, uh, I always am frustrated when people settle for crappy music. Um, and there's a lot of crappy music out there because there's so much good, <laughs> like really, yeah. um, you think of, uh, settling for junky fast food and, and passing by, uh, you know, a five-star Michelin, you know, chef prepared yeah. meal. Um, and you go, ah, you know, there's so much better. So it's been fun enjoying with you some of the, the best music that came out during a really important time uh, in our country, in our mm -hmm. culture, uh, a time that feels uh, like a long, it, it is a long time away. 50 years is a long time. Uh, a lot changes in 50 years in culture. Um, but some of the things that are true are still true. Like the art is still really, really yeah. good. Yeah. And the music is still really, really good. And so all of that, uh, feeling happy, nostalgic, grateful, um, at times wistful uh, for, for the way things used to be, but also very grateful that we still have these, these gifts that I can literally like flip open my phone at any point. Well, it's not a flip phone anymore. I can grab my phone and, and I can push the play button at any time and, and let, um, you know, Joni Mitchell or Crosby, Stills and Nash or James Taylor kind of take me away. And so that's a really cool thing. Yeah, that's really good. I appreciate that. And I, I've loved having you along, you know, these mm -hmm. last few months, I, again, I can't reiterate enough. Like I didn't know this music. And so like me listening to this, um, I know that, obviously because we have a pod we've went as far to have a podcast about it we're obviously nerds on on like these topics but right. man i have just loved so much broadening my personal library and um understanding of of music mostly because i um consider myself to be pretty well versed with old music and again like this show just kind of exists because there was this gaping hole and uh, I have loved diving into the 70s and because 
part of that has been not only my listening to the music, but I'm reading their stories. I'm watching videos. I'm, I'm, I'm watching documentaries and just getting a glimpse of the culture back then and what was happening in America. And man, yeah. it was just like a cool, very weird, um, uh, interesting time to have learned about. And I've just been really blessed. And, you know, some of these artists, my goodness, I have, I have struggled with so many of these artists to like let go of them and start listening to like for next week's episode kind of a thing. Like mm-hmm. I, I have such long hangovers of, of, of these yeah. artists because I just want to keep listening to them. I can't music. quit you, man. Yeah, You're I so can't good. quit you, yeah. So it's just, uh, it's just been, it's been so good to me, for me. And, you know, it's been awesome to be able to connect with some of my older uh friends and family you know like being able to talk yeah. to my parents and grandparents about some of these things has, yeah. has been just like so awesome and yeah. it's just been really fun so uh this has just been a project that i've been really appreciative for and i've been super appreciative of you taking time yeah to join me it's been a blast let's do it again well thank you for uh, joining us and stick with us because uh coming up just here in a second we're going to be joined by our guests as we talk about James Taylor's great album, Gorilla, which came out in 1975. That's coming right up. Stick around. excited to be joined by our two guests here today on our final episode of Summer Forecast. The first of which is actually my wife's best friend, which has subsequently turned into my best friend, and I'm super stoked that she is on the show. Jana, how are you? It's great to see you today. Good. How are you? I am doing great. I'm doing awesome. great. I'm very glad that Happy you're Happy to be here. here. Good. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm glad that I'm not Sam's best friend. Okay, yeah. well... <laughs> I thought you were building up for an intro for me there. Uh, no, 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 no. Yours, yours will begin shortly, uh, right now, actually. And, and then our second guest is Sam's least favorite human on the planet, yeah. Jason Barnhart. <laughs> Jason, how are you? We are so glad you're here. I was great until that last comment. Yeah. So now another one. Yeah, that was, that was, uh. I, I hate that you had to learn that here. <laughs> Worse than getting fired on a tweet, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, oh man, man. We are all uh, gathered here today to discuss the, the great album from James Taylor, that of Gorilla, um, one that we've been listening to in preparation for this episode. And so with that, I actually want to start uh, with Jason because I know that you that JT means the world to you and that you kind of, you know, grew up listening to him and that even, you know, your wife loves him. So it's important to your relationship. I would love just to hear like um, why you love his music so much or like what it means to you listening to why you've listened to his music for so many years. Well, you, you, you had to almost understand like when I was a, a little boy and my father would be working in the garage, uh, there would be like this juxtaposition of ZZ Top that would then transition to James Taylor, nice. uh, which is so odd. I don't know. I mean, apparently my father must have been bipolar while he was working on the car to be able to make that shift. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, James Taylor to me is, I mean, he's, he's like a baseball game. You're watching on TV. 
it's just it's just great background noise it's like your comfortable chair you know mm. it's that friend that you've known for a long time that you just whenever you see him you pick right back up which apparently sam's not that for me uh so <laughs> i mean it's i mean so it's just it, i i think jt just represents comfort nostalgia um and so and i've i've had to kind of think of a theme music trend throughout my life. He's kind of always been playing in the background. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. That's really good. Um, what were your thoughts on uh, just like your first impressions of this album specifically as we've been listening? You know, I, I think this album, uh, you know, you have earlier albums, um, Sweet Baby James in 1970, uh, where, you know, a lot of his hit songs kind of roll out there. Yeah, but with this album, he kind of starts to pick up that kind of mellow sound. Uh, that you know, he he's makes kind of the transition from music to music now. You know, kind of that background <laughs> kind of elevator kind of music going on here. Okay, uh, they're like smooth kind of tunes. You know, inv- inviting you in, kind of lulling. You know, kind of wooing you in a little bit. Uh, so you kind of get that a little bit. Uh, mm. Just a come sit, set a spell, be comfortable with these with these songs. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I feel very similarly about these songs compared to some of his earlier stuff. Um, Jana, what about you? As you uh, have been listening to this album in preparation, what were some things that like stood out to you? Um, for me, it was just how he's just so laid back. It just kind of makes you want to sway. And then the first mm. song on the album is Mexico. And that is kind of what it reminded me of, like tropical kind of like relaxed um and that's kind of how James Taylor is for me I know my mom listened to him a lot like growing up and he has just such a distinct voice Hmm, and yeah yeah, you just know when you hear him that's James Taylor yeah that's good that's good uh Nada what were some first impressions for you yeah it's definitely more um produced it feels like maybe one of the most produced albums we've done on this whole podcast um his early stuff especially his debut album is so kind of epitomizes that singer and songwriter just a guy and a guitar and Mm -hmm. um but his his gift is still there despite you know kind of the increasing background stuff that's happening and maybe some of the smoothing of the edges um his gift is still there. He's, he's a really great, great songwriter. Um, probably one of the most accessible and certainly commercially successful artists we've covered. Um, probably because of that, um, wide appeal. Um, there are moments in the album that feel more like classic James Taylor. The wandering song feels like Mm -hmm. kind of one of those, uh, guitar driven, uh, reflections on life and, and then you've got the how sweet it is to be loved by you um you know his his marvin gay cover um that is a staple at weddings where i'm from and yeah. um it's a great song and so you know it's there's a lot to like on this album i think he has far better albums uh but on the whole i think it's a it's a good sampling of of who he is as an artist yeah i think uh i agree with all three of your points of um you know this is just a very easy listening album and it's one that um again in juxtaposition to some of his earlier stuff 
the first few albums are very raw like you were mentioning nate just like uh very stripped down this one's a very polished album um and i think that is in part why you some a handful of these songs on this album are so well known and became so popular it's just because they're well produced they're well polished um and again that's easy listening for radio airwaves and things like that so i think that's definitely something that popped off to me but even with all of that the one thing that you don't lose in this album is um you know just his phenomenal guitar playing there's there are a lot more things going on in this album on the different songs than there are on some of his earlier albums you still hear his guitar lines um that are very intricate like i mean he's just a phenomenal guitar player so yeah that was that was very that was still present it was not lost in this album yeah, um, but you, so, you, you do listen to the album though and you're like where is the guy who sings steamroller blues yeah i mean i mean that talk about literally an explosive song that that is you know and you uh which is kind of like my gosh you're, you're you are going to destroy your partner apparently here <laughs> and then this album you know we get this you know kind of these the, the love songs and there's there's a sense of, you know, more, more of the wooing, uh, you know, yeah. I, I think that's really a good word, Nate. Uh, it's not, it's not as rough. It's more polished in this album here. Um, you kind of wonder, okay, he's, I mean, he made a big splash with those first albums. He's very well known, you know, is he kind of like hitting his stride now? Uh, maybe more access to some more resources to be able to kind of help yeah. make the album sound a little differently. I don't know, but it is a little bit of a nuanced sound. Yeah, I mean, this is his sixth album that came out. So, like, he definitely had some, um, yeah, you know, some miles behind him within the music industry. And so I think that's spot on, Jason. Of um, He has some features on here, and he has some, uh, yeah, just more resources in the studio. Um, and I also love that, like, some of his biggest songs of his career, uh, like you mentioned, Nate, how sweet it is, like, are covers. <laughs> like, he just steals songs. And then, like, those are the ones that people want at, at shows are not his songs. Like, that. Well, and I, the fascinating thing is that now in his career, if you look at his music, that's what he's doing exclusively. Yeah. You know, he even, he even has albums that are entitled covers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's almost like he's kind of revisiting this a little bit. But he kind of puts his own kind of spin on them. Uh, yeah. I mean, that that voice never changes. Uh, it's just, it's just that nasally kind of consistency there. Uh, but it's, it's interesting to hear kind of his take on how he spends some of these well-known songs. I think, I mean, one, an American standard album just released, I think yesterday or today, which he's doing yeah. more covers on. That's wild. Let's talk about some tracks specifically that, you know, we enjoyed as, as we listened. Um, Jana, we'll start with you. What were some of your favorite tunes? You can call me basic, but. I really enjoyed the first one, which is Mexico. Okay, yeah. And then I also enjoyed his cover of How Sweet It Is. <laughs> just it like, makes me picture a wedding and happy people and a reception. Um, so I really enjoyed that one. Um, and then I also have um, the second song, Music, I liked a lot. And then Lighthouse as well. Mm. Um the song that really threw me actually was Gorilla, which is funny <laughs> that that is uh, the name of the album, yeah. but that had a very different feel to yeah. it. I'm not saying I didn't like it, but it was just very unique. No, I think the one thing that uh, 
Nate and I have had tried to do through this whole project is obviously we want to shine light on some of these artists for younger listeners who might not know them um, because their music's really, really good. But we're also not going to just sugarcoat things. I know <laughs> Nate really came out on a Carol King song tapestry specifically. He really did not like that one. And you know, Stupid song. I'm just going to double down on this. I think James Taylor's Gorilla is one of the worst songs I've ever heard. In it my makes life. me like a little bit uncomfortable in for some life. reason. When he starts like making gorilla sounds. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I think I, I, I stand by that. It's one of the worst songs I've ever heard. So you're allowed well, to not like it. Yeah. When you told me like, <laughs> it's going to be this album, Gorilla. I was like, I looked at all the songs and I was like, oh. I'll listen to Gorilla first. I mean, that's the name of the album. That's the <laughs> most popular. And I was okay. And I was like, what has Ty gotten me into? What? And then I listened to the rest of it. And I was like, this is so different than that. Um, yeah. So I did enjoy that the rest of the album was different than Gorilla. Um, yeah. But like I said, it's just a very easy going. It's easy to listen to. And yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, I liked a handful of those songs that you mentioned as well. Good choices. Uh, Jason, what were some of your favorites? I mean, overall, this is definitely not my favorite album uh, by, by, by JT. Uh, I, I affirmed the whole thing about Gorilla. Um, you know, the, whenever whenever he starts going off in the noises, I mean, if you've ever heard, you know, when he, when he does, you know, Steamroller Blues, if you've heard a live version of that, you get to the end of that and you have no idea what the man's even saying anymore. He's just, you know, it's just like all these kind of like harsh kind of cut off words here. <laughs> uh, I, I like, I was a, I was a fool to care. Mm. Um, I, there's just, uh, what I love about Taylor is that there is, um, there's always beauty in his song. There's always simplicity in, in his lyrics. Uh, but you're kind of being deceived because he's hauntingly inviting you into this song about heartbreak, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm that nerd who's actually read biographical stuff on him. And I've listened to his audiobook break shot that came out earlier this year. I listened to that too. And, nice. and you realize that this is, this is, this is James Taylor. I mean, he's just a, actually the guy has a lot of pain in his life, but he's just found ways for music to help carry him through. And so you're kind of invited into the song about heartbreak and you're kind of deceived and you're being pulled in and just carried through uh, by it. So it's a really pretty yeah. song. How sweet it is. is just, yeah, that, that cover is classic. Uh, and, and then, and Jana, there's nothing wrong with loving Mexico. It's, I mean, it, it, there's a reason it's one of his more popular works. It's just kind of a, you, just, you want to load up and go with them, you know, but right. it just, it, his songs are kind of like their travel log, you know, just inviting you along to go with them. Yeah, and we know that's like a that's a staple theme of of folk music, right? Like there's yeah. there's a movement and and that comes with folk songs. So, uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Nate, what were some that stood out to you? Some of your favorites? I like. I mentioned before that I liked Wandering. Hmm. Um, I agree that the Gorilla song is dumb. <laughs> um, and. I, I like you make it easy. I, I really like um, that. And I feel like um, he did some really clever stuff with the courting uh, and, and the, the, the phrasing uh, musically with that. Uh, maybe one of the most interesting musically on the album. Um, 
I don't love, I'll, this is preferential purely, which I know that this the whole podcast is, but um, I don't like any of his blues songs at all. His, his biography, as uh, Jana and Jason well know, because they read up on it this week, um, is that he's from Boston, Massachusetts. Originally, he grows up fairly well off. He's upper middle class his whole life. Uh, he, he spent some times in North Carolina. And none of those uh, certainly are strikes against him. But it just kind of like, I've always felt like James Taylor blues is a very like gentrified version of actual blues music. You know, like it's very like white people friendly blues music. Uh, And so the song Angry Blues certainly fits within that. It's not only like kind of stripped down of the emotion of what makes blues such powerful genre, but it also is stripped down of some of the uh, very expressive musicality in the instruments uh, James Taylor is one of the best acoustic guitar players um, of his day, no doubt about it. Blues music has always been kind of electric driven. Uh, and so that lack in every mm. blues songs he's ever done, uh, for me, um, makes it feel like a, a souffle that doesn't rise or something like that. Um, yeah, I uh, Mexico is a fine song to listen to in in an elevator uh on your way you know to see somebody about a bank loan i suppose um (laughs) and it fits that well yeah yeah it does and um but i agree that how sweet it is is a is a beautiful cover uh the original song was written in 65 he's covering it only only 10 years later so I'm sure it's still in the the kind of collective conscience of the day. And he does do some new stuff with it uh, that, that Marvin Gaye didn't do. Uh, he, he kind of locks the tempo in a little more tightly. Um, it's a wonderful song to dance to at a wedding. Um, overall, it, it, like everyone is saying, like not, not the best offer. I do think you're, you're right, though, Tyler. At this point, he's on a sixth album. He's trying to branch out musically. He's trying to do more than just kind of uh, campfire songs with just him and the guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he has some success on some of these tracks. Um, but, but yeah, uh, there, there are, there are some that are just real misses and I good for him. You know, he's, he's a household name. He's probably one of the most famous, uh, acts in, yeah. in the country at the time. Uh, and he comes out with this gorilla song, which we know is objectively bad, but like <laughs> he's, he's trying, you know, he's trying to, to, generate some sympathy for this donut nosed gorilla um and and so we appreciate the effort that he made there and at this point in time it's a sixth album but he's only like 27 right right he still has hair at this point it's amazing (laughs) yeah you know i'll echo some of those some of those sentiments and i think like nate what you just finished on is uh, also like what jason was alluding to of um He's testing his, you know, he's dipping his toe in the pool of pop music a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. like he still has his acoustic guitar, as we mentioned, present, but, you know, he's trying to be a little more poppy um, in this one. And, you know, what I like about that is we know that pop radio today and really like forever, you know, there's a, an equation or a recipe, right, for songs that Mm -hmm. are going to become popular and, you know, they all kind of follow that same recipe 
Um, and so, you know, you can definitely hear that on, you know, his song Mexico or, you know, some of the other ones that became popular off this album. But as Jason was saying, there's still a depth to his lyrics. Um, and it's not like there are these just uh, money grabs, like these shallow money grabs that he's going after. Like he's still an incredible musician who um, is able to make songs catchy and accessible and fun, um, but still have some depth, depth to them. So. Uh, you know, I, I'm i with Jason and Jana. I love the song Mexico. I think it's very catchy. I think it's super fun. I love that, you know, at first I had to listen to it a few times to figure out what was going on there. Um, but it, the chorus, it starts on two. And so yeah. it really threw me off of like, why does it sound so weird? He rushes his lyrics at the end and then it starts on two. And at first the flow sounded really weird to me. Um, but I think, again, that's just a unique quality that he brings to it. Because, again, that's a song that everybody loves. Um, but that's a funny, uh, a funny thing that he did there. He's still a musician. Um, I really did like Wandering and Fool to Care as well. Those were a little bit more uh, folky, a little bit more stripped down, kind of calling back to some of his earlier albums. Um, but I will say one that I really, really liked um, which there was a hidden Easter egg in it for Nate. Jason and Jana, if you caught it, uh, you get extreme bonus points, but this is mostly for Nate. And the song Lighthouse, did we hear any goodies hidden away in there? Yeah, uh, we had uh, David Crosby uh, and um, uh, Graham Nash singing BVGs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we that was did. good. I, I noticed that too, because that was our first episode in this podcast was on yeah. Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. The little, the little Celtic angel of uh, Graham <laughs> Nash's harmonies. I, I heard yeah. it immediately. I'm like, uh-huh. oh my goodness! This they also they also sang backgrounds in the Mexico song too. Yeah, yeah. I I was really stoked to uh, find them make their way on this album, which continues the theme. You know, it's come full circle in this season. The theme of mm-hmm. just these artists working together and just being friends, yep. and uh, they're artists; they're not competitors, and I really like that a lot. So um, yeah, those are some of my favorite songs. Um, they were just fun. Again, easy listening. JT does a great job with just his songs are easy to follow, and again, there's still a depth to them, and there's still enjoyment that comes out of them. So, Alice and I have seen him live, uh, I think three different times. Every time at Blossom you know, here in Northeast Ohio, um, you know what. One of the things that just stands out is you just see artists who are just very generous. He's very generous with people on stage with them. Um, he doesn't need to hog the limelight, although he has all the talent in the world. Um, but, you know, there'll be an intermission. He, he's coming back. And for 20 minutes before he goes back on stage, you know, he's not tucked away. He's out there and he's signing things and all this, mm. making himself very accessible. Um, there, there is something. Um, yeah, to, to Nate's point, I mean, he's uh, born in Boston, gets sent down to, to North Carolina because his father's a physician. Um, I relate with this story because his father becomes an alcoholic because he goes to war. Um, and so he'll remark that he knew that he was loved by his dad, but he never felt especially close to his dad. Um, and I, I think there's a little bit of that haunting and longing in all of his songs a little bit, trying to find true connection. Um, but I don't know if it's his North Carolina days or whatever, uh, but there's this kind of just blue collar feel to him, you know, that, mm-hmm. that I really like a lot, uh, you know, that just kind of makes me feel at home. 
that I, that I really appreciate. Um, and I think Allison would, would say the same thing. Um, and it, something about his music just helps foster connections with those that you're with. Uh, so imagine if you will, you know, if anybody who's listening is familiar with Blossom, uh, don't go and sit in the, like the seating, you know, inside the <laughs> venue, but on the hill outside, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and it's just this, this euphoria. I mean, these people, the quilts are out, you know, their lawn chairs are out and you're listening to these songs that everybody knows by heart. Uh, not smoking doobies, Nate. Actually, I was at a Willie Nelson concert. That was definitely happening there at Blossom. I've never been to a Blossom show where people were not smoking doobies. <laughs> yeah, that's standard. That comes standard. But it's uh, it's 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 just a powerful experience, you know. So uh, there's just something magnetic about his personality uh, that he doesn't insist upon himself at all. Uh, but you're you're just drawn to his music, um, and whether you like JT or not. He's one of those musicians that you have to have an opinion about him. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's, you're, you're going to have to engage his work at some point. So ubiquitous. I mean, that's just, it's huge. Yeah, that's really good. I, I, I like all of that. I do want to throw a little asterisk on uh, one of Jason's comments there where he said he was at a Willie Nelson concert. He was actually at an Avett Brothers concert. Um, Willie Nelson just happened to play afterwards. I was also at that show. Um, I'm going to do an asterisk to your asterisk there. It was not an Avid Brothers concert. It was a folk music kind of collection of many people. Uh, and uh, But definitely the final act, which everybody was there for, uh, was to hear Willie Nelson. Uh, so, yes. But, yes, the Avid this group the called Avid the Avid Brothers were there as well. The Avid Brothers are a freckle on the ass of Willie Nelson. <laughs> Let me make this very clear. Oh man, uh, Nate, I I will agree with you entirely on that. I don't think our friend Tyler would go that you, far. You should have been at the show. You should have been at the show. Well, well of course, the dude is eighty-seven. Yeah, he's eighty-seven years old. He's up there, propped up like and Jason weekend at Bernie's style. Yeah, okay. Jason spent money to see that man play. <laughs> and you know what, Tyler? I would do it again. <laughs> I would do it again in a heartbeat. <laughs> That's good. That's good. good. Jana, what were some uh, of your final thoughts? Things that you wanted to mention. I don't know, like we've talked about, he's lived a rather sad life, at least mm -hmm. his first 21 years that are in the book, yeah. um, which I didn't know anything about his backstory or anything. And like, to me, for some reason, just like looking at him, he, to me, he just looks very like, not that he's had all these hardships and you listen to this book and you're like, oh my goodness, like he's lived an entire life before he's even yeah. 22. Um, so yeah, I read it cause I just like to figure out why people are the way that they are. Mm -hmm. Um, and in it, he called himself like a professional autobiographer through song and like with his guitar. And I feel like he definitely does that. And maybe that's why his songs play into sadness so much is because he's lived mm, yeah. this very interesting life and that's um kind of shining um but yeah i think he's very admirable he basically yeah lives in massachusetts goes back to north carolina then kind of i think goes to new york and then comes back and then goes to london and then he's like oh yeah i'm gonna come back to the americas and it's like and then he's like, oh, yeah, the Beatles, John Lennon, like, <laughs> just casual things, you know. He's a wanderer. 
he yeah, he tells is, us that. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. Down so, a country road. That's probably my all-time favorite. It's Country Road by I. I love that. It's <laughs> a great song. Yeah. There you go, Nate. What's some of your parting words? Um. Yeah, I mean, he kind of is is a living icon for America, Americana folk music at this point. Um, he is so stinking famous that you can find out every weird little thing about <laughs> him that you would ever want to and more. Um, I myself, uh, unrelated to this podcast, have watched like a 15-minute YouTube video of him detailing how he um, puts on acrylic nails to to get his signature sound because he's obviously finger picking um human nails cannot withstand uh steel strings if you're a professional musician right this the strings eventually wear your nails down and so uh people who play guitar for a living especially finger pickers have to do something whether it's uh nail extensions or there are metal picks sometimes all of these things have slightly different sounds. So when you think of that classic James Taylor sound, there's a whole science behind that. And so he, in this little 15 minute video, literally shows you how he affixes (laughs) and shapes and customize. And so it's like to that level, this man's life has been recorded to that level, Um, you know, and he's 72 years old, you know, uh, his, his debut album comes out, uh, when he's what 20 how old is he tyler at the beginning self-titled yeah he's yeah he's definitely in those yeah those early early so so we got a dude making music for 50 years right and he's never not been a household name uh once he broke in uh really it was his his sophomore album that kind of landed him on the public conscience so that's a lot of life and that's a lot of music and um yeah, he's he's truly, truly incredible. Um, he's one of the few boomers that I don't want to see go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Spicy take. Spicy <laughs> spicy take here on, on the show today by Jason. <laughs> That's good. That's all good. So um, we'd like to uh, just finish with our last question, which we, you know, we ask at the end of all of our episodes and this will be the the final sign off i guess for for this season of summer forecast high of 70s what are your thoughts on um should the youth today still be listening to james taylor or or give jt's music a listen um and if so why do you think so Jana? we will start with you what are your thoughts on that i enjoyed listening to him i have always enjoyed listening to him it is a little melancholy which i feel like kids these days need so I'm going to say yes, they should. That's good. That's He's a good. well-rounded artist, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. Jason? Well, I mean, of course I'm going to say yes. I mean, so, uh, but I, I just think James Taylor and folk music in general, uh, the power of story, storytelling, um, I mean, the, the fact that we're talking about him is this guy in a very compelling way across many generations is able to tell a good story and you and I listen to it yeah. and, and we're intrigued by it. We're, I mean, so 
you talk about where our society is today, divided, lack of a common narrative. And here's a guy for 50 years who's been able to, in a compelling way, invite you into a story that didn't force you, didn't coerce you, but you said, yeah, I want to sit, I'm going to give my time to listen to that. Um, and, and the best stories are the ones that don't get so absorbed in the storyteller that the person listening can't identify with it. Mm. I, I just think as far as telling story, just masterful. Um, and, and there are plenty of others, you know, that would fall in the same genre of folk and, um, that, you know, that, that I love as well, but it's just, yeah, to be able to stop music has that power at times to be able to stop and create a common space where there wasn't one before. Yeah. Um, and those who are able to create those spaces, I, I just think are geniuses. Um, and, and they invite us to, to, to ride along with them. That's good. That's all really good. Nate, what are your thoughts? Should we, uh, why should we listen to JT's music? Uh, I actually think that, um, you know, Jason's earlier comment that was tongue in cheek about boomers, um, being terrible, uh, <laughs> is a great reason to listen to James Taylor because I do think it's a window into a worldview that we don't share and sometimes don't understand, uh, as, as youngsters, millennials, or, uh, whatever the heck they call people below us. Um, I refuse it. No, I refuse. That's stupid. Um, generation X made sense because the X stood for, no values, no purpose, no point. It was a slam on the generation. It's the Kurt Cobain generation. Millennials make sense. Z doesn't make sense. I refuse. They're the last. They're the last one. Well, and if the world ends, <laughs> I will be okay with it. Um, Yay! But I do think that there's this classic tension between millennials and boomers, and for me. James Taylor and listening to his music and listening to, because he is telling his life in song. It makes me understand. Uh, It makes me empathetic. It makes me wish for that world too. You know, like that world isn't the world we live in anymore, but it makes me nostalgic for it. It makes Mm. me wish for it. It makes me understand why people who lived in a world that he sings about are sad or are struggling uh, with the, the technology and the changes that have, that have come in the last 25 and, and years or so. So, um, yeah, I think he's important. He's also just great music to make out to. So that's just a plug there. Yeah. Give it a, give it a try. Yeah. For that reason, if nothing else, yeah. that's really okay. good. I, uh, <laughs> I will, uh, reiterate all of their sentiments and, you know, agree that his music's really good and, and worth listening to. And the cool thing is, um, again, he's just been so popular for so long is that you definitely have already heard a lot of his songs because uh, 50 years later, they're still getting played at weddings and uh, parties and radio stations. And so um, even if you, (laughs) even if you don't feel like it's worth to listen to him, um, you already have. So jokes on you, I guess. (laughs) But but actually, if you buy a greatest hits album, And you don't know every song, I'm surprised. Yeah, seriously. So, you know, like, he's also just, I, he's such a phenomenal guitar player. He's one of the, I will, like, genuinely say he's one of those guys that I listen to. And there's, like, a list of, a list of folks. Mine's probably longer than a lot of guitar players. But I have, like, a list in my brain of, um, 
this guitar player is better than you'll ever be so like don't try kind of a thing and james taylor's on this like he's just way too hard <laughs> uh the song like if i ever play covers of his songs they're just very very simplified compared to like what he's actually doing um and so from the musical standpoint i think it's phenomenal to listen to but again for all the reasons that we've stated here today easy listening just fun enjoyable um just accessible music that um is still just good and um, worth listening to so well everybody that brings us to the end of our final episode of summer forecast high of 70s i just want to give a quick thank you uh, but a heartfelt thank you to both jason and Jana. it was awesome having you guys on and i just you know i always love and appreciate when my friends are willing to take time out of their day and their schedules to come on this podcast um, it means the world to me. It really does. So I want to say thank you to them. Um, but also I want to say thank you to you, the listeners. You know, as this season of the show is coming to a close, this has been such a fun project to take part in. Um, and I know Nate feels the same. And um, we just want to say thank you for listening each episode. You know, the heart of this show is to really shed some light on uh, maybe just a, a looked over genre now that since it's 50 years old. Um, but I'm really hoping that over the last few months we've, we have been able to just introduce some new artists and some new music to folks who might not have known it and then to remind some folks of just how good this music is. So I just want to thank you for listening to each episode. And remember, you can listen to this music at any point, right? Uh, and just because the show is done, that does not mean that we should stop. Uh, exploring and uh, discovering new artists and new genres and new decades. We hope that this show has been an encouragement to you. And we can listen to this music at any time because though it might not be the summer anymore, the forecast is of course always a high of 70s. I do adore JT. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, have a, I have an embarrassing question before we begin. Yeah. You, you never said the words James Taylor. You only said JT when we were talking before. So I just listened to a bunch of Justin Timberlake. Oh. Same, actually. That's really weird. Yikes. So uh, I could, in I, my mind, would never make that connection. I like, I, like James, I like Justin Timberlake enough that I could probably pivot real quick right now and <laughs> <laughs> just go off what I just have locked up in the vault. So. Yeah, if you're going to pivot that direction, then uh, you all have a great evening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>